guys, welcome to uh, I guess a new a new weekly thing we're doing now. I'm good with that. Yeah, man. Saw something scary in the ring. We've had a lot of positive feedback about it. So you know what? You want a little wrestling with your horror movies? You want a little horror movies with your wrestling? That's completely all right. And, and I don't say wrestling, by the way. <laughs> I just don't want people to tune out already. Uh, but anyway, I'm Derek Zoo. Alongside me, as always, is the Gorilla Monsoon, my Bobby the Brain Heen, and Jeff Wright. Jeffrey, how are we doing this afternoon? I'm doing all right, man. We just got done re- recording a podcast about a movie that we weren't terribly impressed with. <laughs> uh, I was pretty impressed with the most recent run of WWE uh, pay-per-views up through Raw and SmackDown. So I'm yeah, glad man. to talk about them. Yeah, I'm really excited to... Uh, this is a good week to launch to launch this as a full-blown podcast, man, because it's all good stuff. The majority of it is really good stuff, except for a few things. <laughs> I'm going to remind you you said that when yeah. we talk about the House of Horrors. Oh, that's... <laughs> ugh, I might walk out. This might be the last episode of Saw Something Scary in the Ring. Uh, but anyway, let's, let's break it down, man. Let's start with, uh, we'll start with Payback, and then we'll just, we'll follow up through Raw and SmackDown. We'll just hit everything, uh, that way. So, my man, tell me what you thought about Payback. Payback has been out of the three pay-per-views I've watched since you brought me back into watching wrestling. You're welcome. Uh, Payback has been my favorite pay-per-view. And yeah, I realize that I'm saying that I liked it better than WrestleMania. I know it's a big statement, but I liked it better than WrestleMania. So, um. It's bold. It's bold. I, I don't mean that I liked every aspect of Payback better than every aspect of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I liked AJ and Shane. I thought was phenomenal, particularly considering who's involved. No pun intended. I, there were some things in WrestleMania I hated. Okay. I hated Orton and White. Yes. That lowers the climate tremendously. Okay. Now, everybody listening is going to go, then how does the House of Horrors not lower your estimation of Payback? We'll get there. Um I hate when they take uh, the women's matches and just dump every woman on the roster in. So I didn't care for that at WrestleMania, particularly compared to Bailey and Alexa at Payback. And I liked Jericho Owens better at Payback than I liked at WrestleMania, even though I liked the WrestleMania version. Okay. So anyway, I was a fan. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Um, I wouldn't say that I liked it better than WrestleMania, but sure. I did like it a lot. Um. I think I don't know if you and I talked about it over text or not. I know that I, I told one of my buddies this. Um, I think that they lowered the bar so so low on this that when when you have good matches and good storytelling uh, outside of one horrible dumpster fire of a spectacle, that um, it you're going to come out feeling like it was really good. Uh, the matches were good. I thought the finishes were were, were really good. Um, I love the ending of the pay per view. I know that you had a a little bit of trouble with it, and we'll go into that in a little <laughs> bit. Um, still real to me, dang it. But yeah, I thought I thought it was great, and then I thought Raw was really solid, and I really enjoyed SmackDown as well. So let's just run right through it because we got a lot to deal to cover. We don't want to be here uh, forever. Uh, did you watch the pre-show? I went back and watched Ms. TV with Finn Balor. Yeah, because I wanted to get a sense of who Finn Balor is. Okay, I missed all the Prince Debit stuff. Wait uh, a minute, did you say Debit or Debit? Dev it. Okay, that's my make sure. My accent may be betraying me on that. I missed all that stuff outside of the WWE. I want a Prince Debit character now, with his finishing move being the chip. <laughs> when we start our pro wrestling tea store, yeah, that that's our first shirt. <laughs> Just a silhouette. I'm gonna go create him on 2K17. Anyway, I, I apologize. No, 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 no apology needed. So I just wanted to get some sense of his personality. Yeah. I saw the demon stuff when he wrestled Seth Rollins, but that's basically all I've seen up until him getting hurt. 
So I just want to see what the guy was like on the mic. And I thought it was a really entertaining uh, episode of Miss TV. I had no interest whatsoever in watching Enzo and Big Cass versus Gallows and Anderson for the umpteenth time. Oh, yeah. Man. I've seen that plenty. I'm done with it until they do something different with those teams. So I didn't watch that at all. What sucks to me, man, is that Enzo and Cass came in last year after WrestleMania. And it's, for me, I'm a huge, I, I was, uh, I'll admit to slacking off of the last few months, but I was a huge NXT guy from, uh, and I've, I've talked about it before on this, from the, from the beginning on the Hulu days until about probably this time last year. Well, no, more, more or less probably at the beginning of this year. Um, and does that coincide with the Bobby Roode reign or were, were you watching? I love Pardon. Bobby. I love Bobby Roode, but it coincides more with Derek doesn't have Wi-Fi at home gotcha. to be able to watch NXT. Gotcha. Um, but uh, like I was a huge fan, and, and the and the thing that I've always been worried about when all these guys that I love come up to the main roster is what's the reaction going to be from the audience, right? Because sometimes it's it's not that great. Like Bo Dallas, Bo Dallas was a huge deal in NXT, and he's been middle of the rung or lower than that, you know, since he's come up from from NXT. Uh, Neville, for the longest time, was stuck in this real purgatory limbo type place until they turned him heel and put him in the cruiserweight division. Um, you, you just worry about, you, you know, you, you feel almost like they're your kids and they're going off to college and you wonder how they're going to be. And dude, the night after WrestleMania last year, when everybody in Dallas, Texas was doing the, my name is Enzo Omar. I was like, yes, this is what I want. Because that same night, Apollo Cruz de- Apollo Cruz debuted on Raw to almost crickets. And yeah. you see how his run's been going. He's been stuck all along. Yeah. So when when the whole crowd is singing along with Enzo and Cass, I'm like, yes, this is great. Vince is going to know this is up. I get to see New Day versus uh, Enzo and Cass. That's going to be phenomenal. And it never happened. Um, and they just, they've been in this weird place. And I know that you and I have talked about it before where you said, well, they've got to start winning. Otherwise, it's they're going to stop being over. And I still think that, that Enzo's a good enough talker that he can keep them where they are. But I don't know if they're ever going to be above where they're at right now. And Gall- Gallows and Anderson have just been, I mean, they've just been screwed over the entire time that they've been here. Um, not to spoil, well, I mean, we can spoiler alert it now, but I know we'll be talking about it later. But when Sheamus and Cesaro were just beating the snot out of the Hardy Boys, I just kept being like, this is how you book Gallows and Anderson. Couldn't agree more. And in fact, that's exactly what I was thinking about too. You've got Anderson and Gallows just sitting there wanting to be the heel team. Yeah. Uh, the revival, uh, is probably who Seamus and Cesaro are replacing in that role, yeah. right? But if you, number one, if you're going to bring the revival up, why do it this way when you have Gallows and Anderson sitting there? Right. But if they get hurt, which they did, why then take a heel team? Uh, excuse me, why then take a face team, turn them heel, when you've got a very competent heel team just waiting around for something to do? Yeah. So anyway, I wish they had better stuff to do for those guys. I realize that my lack of interest in them is not um, a result of their ability. You know, all their uh, Japan, New Japan stuff, everybody loves. But man, it's clear that WWE has nothing to do for them or uh, it looks like Enzo and Cass beyond their introduction. Do you think we're looking at maybe a... um I mean, surely it wouldn't get as bad as what's happened with the Ascension, would it? I hope not. I mean, man, those guys are as buried as they can get. Yeah, yeah. The Ascension. It's a wonder the Ascension still have jobs. Yeah. And and that's another NXT team. They were they were dominant on on NXT. They were the tag team for like a year, hmm. and then uh, I believe the Lucha Dragons beat them, or or Murphy and uh, what was that dude? Uh, Blake and Murphy. 
one of those two teams, I forget which one, beat them for the tag titles. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that that's not the case, man. I saw Luke Gallows on a, on a, uh, indie show in Ringgold, Georgia, Wrestle Jam 3, um, two years ago. And he got one of the biggest reactions of the night and he seemed like a huge star. And you're like, why isn't that dude in the WWE where he belongs? And then he gets there and you see this. It, it really, it really stinks. Yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. If I were fans of them, I would have cold chills considering the teams we've just talked about and how they lost their shine when they got on the main roster. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. And then you go right back to 50-50 booking to, to jump to Raw the next night where Gallows beats Enzo. Like, when's it going to it, It's This is like Lamb Chops play along. It's the feud that never ends. Yeah, I switched the show to my laptop when that match came on and played WWE 2K17 Smart. during the match because I just thought, I don't care. Yeah, Enzo's going to get beat up, Yeah, and they're going to end up losing. I mean, you can just call this stuff in advance. Uh, I've got better things to do with my You time. should have downloaded Gallows and Anderson and had them win the tag title. I should have. But now, Derek, I would say that moving on from there, yes. the – the first match of the actual payback event, I thought was a barn burner. So Chris Jericho comes back out to face Kevin Owens. What'd you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as their, uh, as their WrestleMania match. I thought it was really good. Um, I have a hard time. Gosh, man, this is, this is the grizzled old veteran coming out in me. I have a hard time with these like, I hate you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rip your head off. But when we get in the ring, I'm going to put you in a headlock. Like I have a hard time with those, those types of things. Um, I want, uh, and I, and, and don't get me wrong, Kevin Owens might be my favorite male wrestler on the roster. Uh, I've always been a Jericho fan. I always will be a Jericho fan. Um, I like to reference Chris Jericho as my close personal friend because I met him in a Barnes and Noble bathroom one time. Uh, that's a story for a different podcast. Uh, I think that they're great and I've, I've loved the build to this feud, but I don't know, man. These, the WrestleMania match and the payback match both left me wanting more. Um, but yeah, I thought that the, I thought the WrestleMania match was a little bit better. Uh, but I love the finish to this one. I thought the finish to this was genius and a great callback to the WrestleMania match. And, uh, and if you're going to do, if you're going to have Owens drop the title, that was the way to do it. Well, that is why I love this match so much. It does a good job of calling back to WrestleMania, the finger thing. I feel like sometimes the WWE doesn't do a good job building on their own storylines. Mm-hmm. And this one was certainly the exception to that. So I loved. Jericho going after the finger. Yeah. I just ate that up. And then, man, you know, I've been watching Jericho for a minute now. If you go all the way back to like the Monday Night Wars, to see him put somebody out with the, uh, walls of Jericho, it's been a, it's been a while since yeah, we've seen that. It doesn't happen much anymore. So as a nostalgia moment, that was great for me. And if you take WrestleMania, uh, payback and then what they did Tuesday night with, SmackDown, that is a perfect arc for me. Like that was handled just magnificently. So I, I just love this one. The, the one thing I'll say is, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, this will become relevant considering the match that follows. There was a, a moment where Owens was back up, uh, against the, uh, turnbuckle mm-hmm. and Jericho was advancing upon him and the ref got between him and kind of stuck his hands up and Chris slapped his hand out of the way and kind of told him to get out of the way. And I thought, well, okay, that's fine. Uh, and just went on because I thought that's Jericho just, you know, being a, a bad guy. I mean, not a bad guy, a tough guy. But it seems pretty uh, striking when you consider what happened in the next match, right? Right. 
So I know you love Neville. I love Austin Aries, but I think you're an Austin Aries fan too. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a huge Austin Aries fan, uh, and I've, I've been watching Austin Aries since he was in Ring of Honor back in the aughts. And uh, Neville's been great. Uh, again, if you if you've seen Neville uh, in NXT, you probably would have a better appreciation for him. Uh, he was a phenomenal NXT champion. Had some really really great matches. Um, his, uh, his big match, the, the big match that he had that I guess is his claim to fame is the NXT title match he had with Sami Zayn, where Sami winds up winning the NXT championship. And if you followed that story, it was just, it was, it was really well told. And gosh, I miss NXT. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, Neville fan. I thought this match was great. And I thought the finish, again, I thought the finish of this match was really, really good. So yeah, we, we should probably talk about that. I, I'm really liking seeing a strong Austin Aries. I like the match too, except it ends on a DQ because Neville grabs the ref. Now, I like that as a storytelling element considered in and of itself because it tells us that Neville is desperate when yeah. he's fighting Austin Aries, that he's run up against someone he can't just bully and right. knock around. But I watched Jericho slap the hand of the ref the match before, and that's the kind of thing that would drive me crazy if I was a WWE writer. Because I would have seen it, I would have realized Chris just did that spontaneously, and I'd be like, ah, oh, frig. But, you know, in addition to that, I yeah. watched Asuka beat Ember Moon by grabbing the ref and throwing the ref into the ropes and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So if I, weren't, if I weren't watching so much wrestling right now, yeah. I probably would have appreciated that bit differently. Yeah. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you why I appreciate it so much. Um, because when Neville's come back to the Cruiserweights, uh, Neville used to be high flying and he's got the red arrow, which is one of the most amazing finishers I've ever seen. Um, and since he's come back and he's, he's become a heel, he no longer likes to do that move because it's a crowd pleasing move and he hates the audience, right? So now he does the rings of Saturn. Hey, I loved at the Raw after WrestleMania where he climbed up on the ropes, saw that the crowd was playing with beach balls and climbed right back down. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so the, so he's just been wrecking shop with people, putting him in the rings of Saturn. Uh, when he breaks out the red arrow, you realize it like, oh, he's had a tough time. Like this is something he has to do to solidify. You know, he's going to win this match. Uh, with Aries at WrestleMania, he resorted to cheating. Mm-hmm. You know, he gouged the eye, and and Austin Aries has his titanium plate put in his head because Shinsuke Nakamura is the king of strong style, uh, and and will break a man in half. Uh, so you know, he resorts to that, and he hits the red. Did he hit the red arrow? Yeah, he hits the red arrow at WrestleMania. Um, so for me, you know, that shows you like, okay, Austin Aries time is coming. Mm-hmm. So you think payback might be it because I think you and I talked about it on the prediction show, like something's got to happen here. And I think that they did the best thing that they could while keeping the title on Neville and keeping Aries strong because this again shows you like Neville knew it. Neville knew he was going to lose if he didn't do something. And so that's why he grabs the ref and throws him, you know, and, and you know, there's the DQ. You gotta, you can't touch the official most of the time. And get away with it. So I, I understand your plight on that. Like is watching as much uh, wrestling as possible, or much wrestling as we do. But at the same time, it, for that singular match, the storytelling that they're doing, especially with this feud, um, when Austin wins the the cruiserweight championship, and I think I think it's coming at the next pay per view, probably or the next Raw pay per view. Um, I think it's just going to be even that much sweeter knowing the story, the you know, in the grand scheme of things, of what all's gone on. It does seem that Aries is better chasing and Neville is better with the strap. So yeah. I, I get that. It's the old NWA thing, man. The heel, you know, the heel champ stayed on top by any means necessary. 
and the baby face chased, and it was always the better the better way to go about it. Yeah, in, in that sense, I'm I'm cool with it. I uh, don't have any interest whatsoever in T.J. Perkins, however. Uh, T.J.P., good sir. T.J.P., I'm sorry. Yeah, man. He, I, T.J. Perkins, <laughs> here's, here's a controversial take for you. T.J. Perkins only was Cruiserweight Champion because the two guys the WWE wanted to sign in that didn't sign with him. Oh, nice. Like, that's that's pretty much it. So, you know, you got to go to Plan B. Plan B was a little, little dapper. Well, if somebody will do us the favor of deleting him from this storyline, delete. We will all be uh, very thankful, and that brings us right into the next match of the night, which is probably the reason that, or it contains the reason why Enzo and Big Cass didn't win the titles at WrestleMania. I'm right. betting, and that is the Hardy Boys defeating Cesaro and Sheamus, but not before some stuff went down. Man, yeah. Um, before we get into that, since we've said delete. Can I just make a plea to all wrestling fans that are going to attend wrestling shows? Um, and I think this has been done on other podcasts. Like, I think Shoemaker's podcast has done it before and stuff, too. But if you're going to do the delete sign, don't go upwards with it, man. All right? This is a really tough time in our country. And the last thing that we need are a bunch of people looking like a bunch of racists on national television. So just either go down with it or just go across. Hard left to right, yeah, right? It's not a, not a big deal. Maybe it's right to left. I'm trying to remember <laughs> I, either way, doesn't matter. Just, you know, for old Uncle Zoo. Just, just stay horizontal. Yeah, just stay horizontal or, or go down with it. Yeah. Be like in Les Mis and look down. All right? That's <laughs> all you have to do. Um, yeah, so Seamus kicks Jeff Hardy's tooth out. Yeah, man. Do you want to talk about what you sent me with Brian Alvarez? Yeah, Alvarez was going nuts. I don't even actually know who he is. I just saw the headline, Brian Alvarez, blah, blah, blah. So okay. I read it. Who is he? Brian Alvarez writes for, uh, he, I think he writes for the Figure Four Weekly or Figure Four Daily. Okay. Um, but he, that's a, so he's a that's journalist. A, yeah, he's a journalist. He works with Meltzer a lot. Okay. Dave Meltzer on the Observer. He wrote a book called, uh, The Death of WCW, which is a really good read. Oh. If you haven't read it, um, I highly recommend you doing that. Um, he, dude knows what he's talking about. But that was just a little over the line. Right? And so if you missed it, Alvarez was calling for Seamus to be fired. Because according to Alvarez, um, he, he's gone beyond working stiff to working dangerously. And um, should have handled that kick better. So that Jeff retained all of his teeth. It just struck me as an accident. He meant to kick his chest. Jeff was a little bit closer. And it caught him on the jaw. Yeah. What would you say JR always says? The same ballet. Yeah, you know. So... The object of this match, I think, was to give the Hardys a thorough beatdown, right? I mean, that's what the end of the match seems to indicate. Well, look, you don't plan for this, but it couldn't have served the storytelling anymore. I agree. That it's so physically actually lost a tooth. So, yeah, whatever, Alvarez. You know more than I do, but you're wrong on this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I just, I, I can understand because I know he referenced something about uh, how. Seamus had a had a part in injuring Daniel Bryan to where mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan had his concussion and couldn't come back to to wrestle and and that's terrible and I wish that Daniel Bryan was still wrestling but at the same time man everyone knows what's going on in the business like these guys sign up to do this stuff and they understand that accidents happen and and things like this if it was premeditated if Seamus was just like oh I don't like the fellow I'm going to kick him right in the mouth then that's as a horrible accident number one. But then, then that's a different story. But this is something that, I mean, stuff like this happens. Chris Jericho lost a tooth in a ladder match with Shawn Michaels. And mm-hmm. no one, no one wanted Shawn to get fired. Well, somebody busted Seamus's head wide open yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the, 
the wound he has now stitched up with some healing behind it still looks gnarly. Yeah. I mean, this stuff happens to him. It, it, it strikes me. Now, I'm not the one losing a tooth. I'm not the one having my head busted open. Right. I, I, I caveat, these guys are in a much more vulnerable position than I am. It just strikes me as like, this is an accident that's part of the business. Uh, it, it goes too far to say this guy should lose his livelihood. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, man, perfect way to end this match. I thought that was a really creative finish with the power slam into the swanton. Uh, and then you see the shaking of the hands and everything, and then the Hardys go to celebrate, and then boom, Sheamus and Cesaro with a heel turn. And they look, this is by the numbers, right? We saw them kind of setting something you knew was going to go sideways when it was like those uh, very intentional, like, let's have a handshake here instead of losing their temper. They set it up very well. Of course, we've seen that done a million times before. But, hey, they played it out well. We get the idea that the Hardys have been brutalized. If they're going to take this to the to the broken stuff, if you're going to do it through a beatdown, this is a credible beatdown. Uh, as you can get. I would have just done it with Anderson Gallows. But you know what? Sheamus looks the part of a big uh, meathead who can snap you, you know, at his choosing. So, hey, no complaints. Um, if if Cesaro was going to be in a heel tag team, I wish that it was with Chris Hero, hmm. um, who's Cassius Ono and NXT. Uh, they were the kings of wrestling in Ring of Honor, and they were phenomenal. But I think that he and Sheamus are doing really good. I, I think that they're going to try to name them the bar. Yeah, because they keep doing that, which I think is stupid, but we'll see how it goes. But I'm more for a heel Sheamus and heel Cesaro tag team than I would be for them to be the baby faces or the, or the people that kind of hate one another, but they're getting along because they're winning and stuff like that. Well, they've moved, right? I I didn't see all this, but I've read that they initially kind of hated each other and lost matches because of it. They didn't want to be paired together. So they figured out how to work together and now they're on the same page. Yeah. So, um, so what happened was, uh, they had a best of seven match, uh, best of ser- seven series. Uh, they went to three apiece. When they got to the last one, it was declared a tie. The winner of the best of seven was going to get a championship opportunity. Hmm. So when it tied up, Mick Foley, genius commissioner that he is, said, uh, well, you're just going to have to do a tag team. And so they become a tag team. And at first, they're costing each other matches and things aren't going well. Then they slowly begin to form a bond. Then they beat the New Day. And then, you know, then they kind of become the baby faces, right? Like Cesaro was always the baby face. Sheamus was the heel. Sheamus becomes a tweener, then kind of becomes a baby face. And then, and then this happens. And so now they're fully healed. I think it's the right way to go. Um, what's your estimation of Sheamus as a talker? I don't think he's that good. Okay. So what I've been reading is, and you may tell me I'm completely wrong on this, but what I've been reading is that what probably holds Cesaro back is that he's not that great on the mic. Right. And I was hoping that you would say, well, Seamus is pretty good on the mic. You know, this will help get Cesaro over. I know a lot of people are out on this tag team. I know that there was like shades of Cena and Roman Reigns with Seamus for a while. Mm-hmm. I, having come into this without any of that baggage, I really enjoyed this tag team. I like their entrance where they kind of stand back to back and uh, Cesaro cruises around shades of old Scott Hall, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the low down. Um, I've enjoyed it. And so I'm ready to watch this. I think it was your boy Campbell a couple episodes back said that he didn't think Cesaro's spinning move could work as a as a heel move. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily true. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the swing is always going to get a baby face pop. Like even when Cesaro was a heel and did it, it always got a baby face pop. Yeah. So I can agree with Campbell on that. You think it'll hinder um, him from being received though in general as a heel? I don't. I don't think so. But at the same time. 
Um, there's going to be a, there's going to be a contingency of fans that are going to cheer Cesaro regardless. And so. Um, it just is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, as long as I get a reaction, pal. I'll tell you my reaction to that thing is, I think Cesaro is literally a superhuman because I don't know how he can spin like that without being sick, uh, dizzy. I do that a version of that with my kids because they love to be spun around. And by the time I do like five rotations, my whole world is off center. Yeah. But he just does it, drops the guy, uh, and moves into the next move. I don't get it. His brain's different. Yeah. Uh, he did, he did that move to the great colleague one time. (laughs) Wow. Really? Yeah. That's, that's worth going out of your way to find. Yeah. Uh, cause I just remember being like, all right, this dude's an alien. There's no other way of putting it. No kidding. Yeah. Um, there's no reason in the world why Cesaro shouldn't be a World Heavyweight Champion right now. There's no reason in the world except for the fact that Vince McMahon, <laughs> Vince McMahon hates Southerners and foreigners, and he doesn't <laughs> want to put either one of them as, as champions. Um, so we're both good with the Cesaro Sheamus heel turn. Um, I want to get them away from the kilts and the tearaway jackets. Like I want them to be. I don't want them to come out in pads like the Road Warriors, but I want them to be like the Road Warriors. I want them to just demolish everybody. Sure. That's what they need to do if they're going to be the heels. Yeah. It's, again, it makes me go, well, Anderson and Gallows, but hey, look, I'm not WWE creative. I can go ahead and just give up on those dreams. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. I thought their appearance on Raw Talk was really good. Yeah, did you it watch was. That? Yeah, and, and they, did a, they did a thing in the pre-show where they were, like, answering questions in the social media lounge. And they were really good there too. That's actually what made me like Seamus. I caught that before Fastlane where okay. he was doing the same stuff. Yeah. And he like made a joke and the crowd reacted and he kind of played off of it. And I just thought, yeah, I like this guy. So, um, hey, keep it up guys. Maybe, maybe they're going to learn on the job about maybe this is where they'll break through on the mic. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I love, I've always liked Seamus. Uh, he's, he's kind of always had the too fast, too soon type thing to him. Uh, he won the WWE title like two months on Raw. Uh, in a fluke, like he beat Cena in a tables match. Um, and of course the internet buzz was, Oh, the only reason he got that push is because he's Triple H's workout buddy, which is true. Like he and Triple H used to work out together. Um, and I'm used to the internet being unfair to it performers. It doesn't hurt to, to be friends with a boss, right? Not at all. Or to marry the boss. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but I think over the years, Seamus is, is turned himself. I don't think that he's upper tier. I don't think he's Cena. Uh, don't hate me on this. I don't think he's Orton. I don't think he's a CM Punk. Uh, but I think he's right below them. And I think he's very solid. If Cesaro is never going to get to that next level, if this is where he's going to stay, then I want them to be in this tag team. And I want them to just demolish people on their, you know, just be the wrecking crew. Sure. So. I'd love that. I'll sign up for it. And if, it, and if it, excuse me, and if it puts Matt and Jeff into more of a broken territory, I'm all for that too, man. That certainly looks like what it's uh, turning out to be. I think even um, with Raw Monday, they uh, coming up the ramp, they did the yeah. delete sign. So it looks like we're getting closer and closer. Um, speaking of matches I love, dude, I was giddy like a schoolgirl watching Alexa Bliss uh, bully Bailey and take her title. All good things for Alexa Bliss. This is the thing I'm most excited about in all of entertainment. I love watching her perform. Did you, did you enjoy that match? I did. Um you're you're welcome, by the way, for me calling Alexa Bliss winning the championship on our prediction show. Um, no, I I think that Alexa Bliss is she is a leaps and bounds better than any other female on the microphone. She is in uh, she's she's up there as far as overall superstars on the microphone. 
she knows her character. She knows, uh, she knows how to manipulate a crowd. She's, um, I, I don't think that she's the best female wrestler in the company. I think that she's probably honestly about fifth or sixth, uh, behind Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey and Becky and probably Mickey James. But Charlotte doesn't know how to, how to command an audience like she does. When, when they, when they chant and distract Charlotte, Charlotte tends to lose her focus. She tends to scream a lot. That's something that she's even mm. talked about herself. Um, I am a, I am the biggest Sasha Banks fan in the world, but she, she is hindered on the microphone, uh, which is ridiculous to me because somebody that oozes the natural charisma that she does should, should be able to be good on the microphone. I wonder if she wouldn't be better without a script. I think so. Yeah. Um, and, and Bailey, man, again, and I hate, I feel like that I've, I've harked a lot on NXT versus WWE in this, in this podcast, but Bailey in the NXT was the most pure, lovable baby face. And the WWE has kind of neutered her in that sense. Um, the way that she won the title and then the way that she, she didn't give up the, you know, it was just, it was all just really weird. And she's relied a lot on Sasha Banks and her and Sasha have cheated a lot to keep Bailey's the champion. It's just, it's just, um, so I, I don't think I'm as in, I don't think I'm all in like you are with Alexa Bliss, but I think that she is, I think she's, as far as character wise goes, she's the best in that division. Um, and I want nothing but good things for her. And I think that as long as she continues to work with, uh, Bailey and continues to work with Sasha and continues to work with Mickey James, she's going to get better. Um, so yeah, put the rocket on her, man, and let it go. I never, even though I predicted that last week, I never thought that she would get it because it just seemed like that's a Charlotte Flair uh, milestone of ah first first woman to hold the Raw and SmackDown championship since we created them both in, nine months ago. You know, uh, so I'm glad that that happened too. That just gives her more. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was I thought it was really good. Uh, I'm I'm old school as it comes, and I love when a DDT can finish a match. And I thought that DDT was one of the best I've seen in a while. I hope that becomes like her secondary finishing move. And it was storyline consistent Absolutely. with the way the match played out. So I'm all for it, man. Derek, I, I am so over the moon about her. I'm ready for anything. I'm ready to see her uh, win the 205 Live Championship. I'm ready to see her uh, take out Finn Balor. I'm ready to see her take on Brock Lesnar. Like anything they want to do with Alexa Bliss, you can sign me up for I'm going to probably figure out how to get a t-shirt and wear it without my wife filing for divorce. Without but your wife being blissed off? You said something about her work in the ring. You're right. She's light years better than everybody on the mic. She's behind several on the mat. But I feel with her, kind of like I feel with Braun Strowman, that every time I see him put work in, he's better than he was last time. I feel like she's better than she was last time. I could believe that Five Feet of Fury could bully Bailey. And figure out a way to use her smarts, but also her physicality to win that match. I'm with you, that DDT. Uh, old school Jake Roberts fan right here. Glad to see the DDT back. Love the segment with her on Raw on Monday night. Just anything they want to do with her. I'm, I'm driving the bandwagon, man. I'm there. Um, yeah, the, I, I thought it was really good. The, the next match. Let's skip it. Not let's so skip, much. Let's skip it for right now. Can let's, we just hold it till the end? Yeah. And, I think that's probably for the best. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe. Eh. The mat, the match was good. Um, it was in a horrible, horrible spot. Yeah, shame on you, WWE. Because after the after the first part of the house of crap, uh, then you had to put out Joe and, and Rollins. Uh, Joe and Rollins are two of my favorite guys on the roster. I think both those guys can go. 
Um, I thought that they did a really good job here. I don't think the right guy won, um, but I understand why they went with Rollins. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of like you. I mean, I thought it was a good match, but just in a really bad spot. Position them poorly. Yeah. You'd said earlier that you called the Alexa victory and hats off. You did. Um, I had just been too cynical. You know, I thought, well, Bailey's going to go back over. I didn't realize it was her hometown. You know, if I'd have known that, I'd have probably assumed she would have lost. That's also part of why I like the uh, Jericho Owens match because I expected Owens to win. Uh, we've been waiting for Jericho to go forever. This is one I would have really liked to see Samoa Joe win. Yeah. Uh, I like what they did the next uh, Raw with him and Rollins. I'd still like to see, you know, Joe didn't get to go to WrestleMania. Yeah. Give him a win the next pay-per-view. I think this was his first pay-per-view, right? Uh, second. Second pay-per-view. Fastlane. He beat Sami Zayn. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'd just like to see him get a win, uh, but I'll take it. You know, Rollins is back. He's developing that new finisher. Okay, cool. Whatever you got to do. Yeah. I- I'm still not in on Rollins as a face yet, but I'm willing to be convinced. Yeah, um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but Samuel Joe's uh, shoulder was definitely off the mat before the three count. So I hope that they bring that in to the storyline because if they do, then that just gives Joe more of a reason to be blissed off and go for it from there. Uh, but yeah, those guys deserve better. I think if they would have been positioned in a different place, the crowd would have been hotter. Uh, but I do think that the crowd's starting to get into the Seth Rollins babyface act, which is good for everybody. So, um, yeah, keep, keep that going. I think that feud's still hot. I think it's still got a couple more, a couple more times through it. So. Well, and Joe's the kind of heel to get him over, to get Rollins over as a face. Absolutely. Against. Yeah. I love Joe as a heel. Um, there may not be anybody. I know you love Balor and, and so do I. Uh, Shinsuke's entrance, Bobby Roode's entrance. Those are like the top of the mountain right now. I still love Joe's, uh, music. When he comes oh, yeah. out and that tuba or whatever that deep bass instrument is hits, it's just so perfect for that character. It's so. like Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, we got to talk, I guess, about the rest of the matches on the card. I-, I think with both of them, I'm not emotionally prepared to deal with either one of them just yet, Derek. Okay. Um, let's go with the one that'll probably give you, um, a less of emotional damage. So we'll go with Braun Strowman defeating, uh, the mighty Joe Young, uh, <laughs> defeating Roman Reigns. Is defeating the, the word that, that best describes what happened in that ring? Obliterating Roman Reigns. Pulverizing. Grinding in a hamburger. You deserved it. Hey, here's the good thing, though, man. You you did get that you deserved it. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of when I heard it. I was like, I don't think they're doing that for Rosie, but definitely got it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not the only one who got it in that match. <laughs> um, but that's the way it should have been, man. That's exactly right. Everything about that match was what it should have been, except for the post-match stuff. Yeah. But what happened in the ring and then sort of semi out of the ring and whatever, that's exactly what needed to happen. And it's part of why I like this card. Like, uh, they swerved us a couple times. And on this one, he came out wounded. He got some offense in. I think some people complain he got too much offense in. I think Roman does a really good job of selling his injuries. He's not Shawn Michaels, you know, but, um, he was limping around. If he hadn't hit the spear with the hurt shoulder, basically it would have been appropriate, you yeah. know. And then to give him that beatdown, man, uh, and to put Braun over, that was, I mean, I can't complain. And I love Roman Reigns. So No, storyline-wise, it's the right thing to do. Um, I still think that the great balls of fire. Oh, how paper, dumb. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think that'll be the pay-per-view that Brock comes back, and I think that'll be the, the, that'll be the guy he wrestles is Braun Strowman. Um, you know, I would probably keep them separate as long as I could. Figure out ways to just get Braun destroying people, even – I mean, if you want to trot Roman back out there one more time, uh, if you're willing to do that, they're more willing to let Roman 
uh, get beat up than I realized. So if you're willing to do that again after he's healed up a little bit, you could really put Braun to the moon. And then uh, Braun and Brock is at least a SummerSlam level match, if not WrestleMania. You know, I, I would agree with that, but I think that they're going to probably they'll probably feed Braun to Brock at Cray Balls of Fire, and then he'll probably either wrestle Balor or Rollins at SummerSlam. Um, I I don't see Brock losing the title at all this year. Yeah. Uh, and your boy will probably beat him at WrestleMania next year. I mean, if he survives, Derek. Well, fingers crossed that he doesn't. Um, I thought the match was great. I I hated the the post thing where it's going into the Raw talk. Um, just load him in the ambulance. There's no reason for Braun to be like, I'm not done with you, and then take out a freaking ambulance. Like, you know, knock that door off the ambulance and fall into some boxes, and then Roman hit him with that door a couple with times. With the other door. It just... Yeah, didn't need like, that. It, it, that's just one of those things, man. It's what I was telling you about earlier when we were uh, grabbing food before we started to record, is it's always, uh, you know, Roman must pose. You know, it's that it's that thing. Let Braun have his day in the sun. Let Roman, you know, let... I, I That's the only thing that bugged me. Everything else executed to perfection. Well, the the other part of that that I didn't think was executed to perfection was the freaking crowd response. I know that you and I disagree on this. And this is probably like I'm an old man who has kids now. Yeah. But I told you over text that you deserved it. And thank you, Braun. Those chants I thought were classless. And I think they're beneath, um, it's beneath the dignity. It, it's beneath basic human dignity. Now, again, I'm the old man saying this. Um the last, you can tell why I have so many friends, but the last NFL game I went to, um, the opposing team's quarterback, and, and I'll grant that the opposing team was getting the benefit of the call way too much, but the opposing team's quarterback got hurt. And my my section and, and a lot of people in the stadium were chanting or were clapping as he was being carried off on uh, a medical support apparatus. And me and my buddy who was there, uh, our mutual friend Kenny, mm-hmm. Kenny Fields, we were just shouting, like, shut up. This is beneath you. Like, he's hurt. You know, it's a human being. So, was Roman Reigns really hurt? No. But there are kids in the arena. There are kids staying up late at night watching that pay-per-view who are the wrestling fans that I think you and I were as little kids. For me, it was watching Sergeant Slaughter beat up on Hulk Hogan, right? Mm-hmm. Or um Earthquake beat up on Hulk Hogan, right? I would have been really confused and felt really disconnected from the fan base if people had been chanting, you deserved it, thank you, Earthquake. If your only criteria for what you do in public is, I hate Vince McMahon's creative ideas, I'm just going to tell you, you need to reevaluate some things. So I, I realize I'm working heel here. People are going to think I'm in preaching and whatnot. You know, I'm a dad trying to think, how do I introduce my kids to wrestling? Junk like that makes me think twice. And I'm an old school wrestling fan. If I'm a dad thinking about bringing my kid to the arena, I'm going to think twice if I see that mess happening. I don't think that's long-term good for the sport. Okay. Well, let me counteract with this. Do you know the reason why no one would ever chant, thank you, Earthquake, or thank you, uh, or you deserved it, or stuff like that? Well, tell me what I mean, Tell me what your thoughts are. Hulk Hogan was over. Hulk Hogan was a babyface. And Hulk Hogan did heal things, but the majority of the audience was for Hulk Hogan. It's the same thing with, uh, with Brett the Hitman Hart. Nobody was ever going to be like, you deserved it to Bret Hart because the fans bought into Bret Hart being the guy. They bought into Bret Hart being the babyface, right? Same thing with Austin. Austin was the anti-hero, but it was the same thing. It's the same thing with John Cena. And it's something you and I talked about before. Uh, Cena, sometimes he had 50-50. Sometimes it was, it was 10-90, you know, in his favor. But you know about the crowd chance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
sometimes, but, but you know, you would very rarely get that type of thing. People aren't buying into Roman Reigns being the god that Vince McMahon is wanting him to be. And this is the only way that they can try to get people's attention is by being like, okay, this, this, we have to do these things. And I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand your point of view. And, uh, you said something about a dude on Reddit was like, F your kids and all this stuff. That's, that's, that's classless. That's taking it too far. But Vince McMahon has always talked about the fact of, I do what the fans want me to do, pal. And he, he gauges the audience reaction. Well, if I'm Vince McMahon and for the last two years, your big baby face has been booed in every flipping arena across the country. And now you have this huge gargantuan Leviathan who has just destroyed him. And you're getting, thank you, Braun, and you deserved it as he's being carted out. I'm going, okay, we got a course correct. And, and you and I talked about it on, on, through text. Vince just doesn't have the stones to do it anymore. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, him being just older and, and, set in his ways or what the situation is, but for some reason Vince McMahon thinks that Roman Reigns is the next big thing. And I'm not saying that he's not. Because you, you know that I, I I have a ton of respect for Roman. And I think that Roman is very talented. But in my opinion, it wasn't it wasn't the audience or the majority of the audience trying to be classless. It was the majority of the audience being like, Hey Vince, we don't want this guy as what you're trying to do. It's the same thing with with Rocky Maivia. 20 years ago, Rocky Maivia beat Triple H for the Intercontinental Championship like three months into his, into his run. Just got, you know, just got shoved down people's throats as the golly gosh darn good baby face. And the next thing you know, die Rocky die. Rocky sucks in every arena across the world. And finally a light bulb went off and vents his head and he goes, okay, well, if we're going to save this kid, we've got to turn him heel. And dude, I'm telling you, that's all it would take. I'm very persuaded by that final point. I do think they should turn him heel. And I think that there's a good chance that would kind of rehabilitate him. Although I've read several people saying, I think he's too far gone and I, I'm getting more and more sympathetic to that position. So here's my thing, Derek. Your point is strong that everybody else was over and Roman wasn't. But I'm trying to think of any sort of ghastly moment all the way up through the Monday Night Wars where somebody was brutalized and something comparable happened. So, I can remember Michael's kicking Janetti through the, the window. Um, gasps of horror. Um, the earthquake thing, slaughter, uh, with Hogan. I'm just trying to think of any time where something comparable has happened. Can you think of anything historical? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shawn Michaels night for some, or excuse me, night of a survivor series night, 1995, got kicked in the back of the head by Owen Hart, uh, and then in the middle of the match collapsed. What'd the crowd do? They were in tears. Okay, so... Because it looked real. Yeah. Like it looked like it was a real deal. Yeah. I think we're better when something horrific happens and the crowd acts as if it's horrific. I think that is objectively better for the state of sports entertainment. Um, your, your, your theory about this is the crowd's attempt to address McMahon, I think that is probably what those people are trying to do. I'll grant that. But here's the thing. It's not just crowd response that these guys are evaluating. Uh, and you mentioned 50-50. I think I can tell, even over the seas of booze, that there are people who cheer for Roman Reigns. I felt like that in each of uh, his non-WrestleMania pay-per-views. There were times where I heard people cheering for Roman Reigns. If you really hate Roman Reigns and want to send a message to Vince McMahon 
turn the TV when he's on. Particularly if you're on the network, they know that stuff. They know who's watching and who turns off. And the other thing is, somebody's buying this dude's merch. Um, somebody has made him the, the number one merchandise mover for like five successive quarters or something I read. So it's not like it's crystal clear. I think probably the, uh, the smarts who hate him, I think they think they're more numerous than they really are based on merchandise sales and ratings. Response to that? Um, I think that the majority, I think that the majority of the people that are buying his merchandise are begrudgingly buying it for their children. Well, yeah, but that, I mean, that means that there's a significant portion of the audience that WWE obviously has an interest in. I mean, PG 13 or TV PG scrolls every time I turn on uh, a WWE event. That's what makes me say, like, maybe the smart should stop considering themselves to be the majority. And maybe they should start considering if they're a slight majority, maybe a slight minority based on the overall profile. Yeah. Have a little, have a little self awareness in your own context. Is what I'm saying. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, but I still, I still have to go with. Um, that's the only way that people are going to learn. Like I, I agree with your turn. Stop turning turn. money. I think yeah. is a better way to. But I, I just, I mean, dude, you pay. I mean, you pay money for the ticket. I mean, and that's something that they say too. You pay money for the ticket. You can do whatever you want to outside of physically harming any of the performers. That is probably part of, and that's and that's. I mean, not to bring it back to me personally, but that's something that I have to deal with too. You know, people come into comedy clubs and they buy a ticket and they feel like that they can do whatever they want to. They can, you know, and most of the time they're they're very respectful and, and they're very polite. But sometimes they're gonna they're gonna go into business for themselves like these guys do, and it's just part of the part of the deal, part of being in entertainment. That is very much a part of why I think I see this issue so differently from sure. people my age who are wrestling fans. I have never thought that that was a legitimate theory. There, there's just no part of society where we say we paid some money and can do whatever we want to. Right. Uh, that's just, that's, that's simplistic. And it doesn't actually, nobody really actually believes that except for the one area where they kind of want to fight and die right. for it, like in a comedy club, right? And if, if you try that long enough and a guy gets fed up with you or the club gets fed up with you, what happens? You get tossed out on your ear. Right. And so I don't buy the theory that I paid some money so I can do whatever I want, uh, regardless of who's around me. I'm the guy who, when I'm at a football game, if the dude around me is cussing and smoking, I'm going to say, dude, my wife's right here. I need you to be quiet. Or I'm not trying to sound like a, a, a bad boy, but I'm going to make an issue of it. Right. You may whip me before I can call the, you know, the state troopers who work crowd control, but I'm going to call them and you're going to go because this is common space. Let, let, can I tell you one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Since you and Bruce Pritchard's podcast basically wrote me back into watching wrestling, everything is more awesome than when I left, right? So I left shortly after the Monday Night Wars. Podcasts with wrestling talent, the network and all that's available there, um, just the athletes in the ring, man. It's all better. It's an awesome time to be a wrestling fan. But the thing that I have hated the most since I've come back, and the thing that every time I run into it, I think, man, is this worth it, are the freaking toxic smarks. When they're bumping beach balls around on the Monday night after Raw, when they're chanting what at Shinsuke, who's a non-native speaker, and when they're in a room full of children chanting at a guy spitting up blood, you deserved it. I look at them and I go, this is such a toxic, intellectually inbred subculture. I don't know if I want anything to do with it. And like I said, I'm a diehard old school wrestling fan. I, I do wonder if these guys keep it up, if that contingent continues to be so loud, if it's not going to significantly curtail future fans. Yeah. Uh, if we see the death of pro wrestling in our lifetime, it won't be because people know it's scripted. 
It'll be because of the morons who think they're the only ones who have a perspective on what's happening in the ring. So I get, again, I'm working heel. I realize people are going to hate me for saying this. This isn't Derek. This is Jeff Wright. So you can get at me with any hate on that. But man, I'm telling you, it's a significant drag on the enjoyment of the sport. And it could have long-term negative consequences. If you really like pro wrestling, you probably ought to think about that when you're also thinking about, I'm tired of Roman Reigns getting a super push. I mean, I'll just I'll step off my soapbox now. Yeah, I see. I mean, I see your point, but at the same time, it's almost it's in, it's ingrained now in in the way it was. I mean, ECW did it. You know, ECW uh, ECW was the smartest of smarts. You know, they would they would get out of the ring and the crowd would be uh, we can't see we can't see uh, or somebody would slip and you effed up you effed up. I mean, and and now I feel like that fans. Uh, a, a certain percentage of fans feel like that that's um, that that's their right to do. But I, again, at the same time, I understand your point. But I can I completely see it as a, as a difference. Like this is this is the audience. This is the same audience that two years ago when Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble just booed him out of the building because they just this is the guy that they see is the exact same thing as they saw with John Cena. And and John Cena, I don't mean to cut you off. John Cena grew to get the fans respect, and now it's almost it's almost part of the show, right? Like the males are going to be like John Cena sucks, and the kids and the and the women are going to cheer, and it's just oh well, this is what we do. This is this is part of it now. I think what they did on Sunday was look, man, we don't want that again. That's the part I'm most sympathetic to. That's you're right. The WWE has mishandled this, and they've done so belligerently. I just don't think the right response from the crowd is to double down on being scummy. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. They need to flip him. They need to make him a hit. Yeah. And I'm going to go home and cry to my pillow about what Braun did to him. Uh, and one more, one more thing before we get off the subject, uh, just, just to give you more context on it. Um, I went to SmackDown in Nashville last year and the dark match, the, the match that was after the, the show went off the air was a tag team match between Cena and Roman Reigns. And AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. And oh. there were kids all around me. They loved John Cena. They hated Roman. Okay. And, and it could just be one of those things where you see, you see your elders do it and, you know, you, you want to, you want to join in that action. But, um, again, man, I, I don't think that it was a, it was trying to be jerky or trying to be, uh, D-baggy at all. I think it was just the audience being like, Hey man, if you're not going to listen to us any other time, then when your golden boy gets pounced by this guy who for, we should not like at all, we're going to let you know what's up. Yeah. There, that's a whole nother subject. I'm not going to touch on it, but like what smart wrestling fans are supposed to value in a wrestler is not Braun Strowman. Right. And so there's a whole hypocrisy thing that I don't even let myself go to because I can just get on the crest and be like, it's really fun to watch this guy run through things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it is. It is. It's yeah. absolutely fun. So more power to it. Yeah. Um, we got to right. talk about the House of Horrors. Yeah. To go from, uh, to go from bad to worse. Uh, the House of Horrors, you, you text me earlier in the week and said you, you have a, a shining light in a gray cloud. I do think I have a, an angle on this that offers a slight positive. Okay. I'd like, I'd love to hear it. Can, can we just go through all the suck first? <sighs> can we start with Ghost Tractor? Well, we should because that's the dumbest thing that showed up first. Other, well, other than Randy Orton showing up. Um, I will give you that, man. Randy Orton, it, it, topless with his elbow pads on but and pants. jeans. I was just like, oh, this is going to be terrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'm out from the beginning as soon as I see him, but. <sighs> In fairness to Randy, words I never thought I'd say, <laughs> it 
he doesn't even have lemons to work with, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got to do this thing. I think it's his fault for not selling some of the stuff in the ring at WrestleMania and having a better match, but nonetheless, yeah, the ghost tractor immediately takes you out of this. Yeah. If you had even a glimmer of hope of this being something interesting or compelling, it's immediately gone when that freaking tractor rolls backwards. Um, the Bray showing up in the top window, like backlit, it's kind of obviously a graphic that's superimposed. Randy peeping in and seeing Bray standing there in his life beater. I mean, it's just sliding downhill the yeah. whole time. You think that they got a? You think that Bray got a mortgage from uh, Bruce Pritchard or Conrad Thompson for that house? <laughs> I hope so, because that would mean some good came out of this. Well, you know. Um, did you see that that house is for sale and it's in Missouri? I did see that. Yeah. Um, so the fight inside was whatever. Yeah. They fought. Um, what we saw inside that house is why we should have never went inside that house. Yeah. Hang some baby dolls up. Woo! Put a Blair Witch style uh, stick sculpture in a room. Dreamcatcher. Whoopty freaking do. Yeah. Paint some creepy stuff on a dirty refrigerator. Oh my gosh, I'm terrified. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. What would you have done differently if they said, look, we're going to have a House of Horrors match? Mm -hmm. Here's the property in Missouri. What do you want to do with it? What would you have done to try to polish up that turd? Um, I would have spent the $36,000 to buy the house and uh, set it on fire. That's exactly what they should have done. That house of horrors should have been something that Randy walked into. A trap was sprung, and Bray comes out of the house, sets it on fire. Mm -hmm. That would have been poetic. Yeah, for Bray burning or for Randy burning down Bray's shack. And isn't the thing you thought when Bray is out there on the yard and he says his whatever it was? He say follow the buzzards. Follow the buzzards, and it turns red. Yeah, and you're like, wait, are we supposed to think this is important? Yeah. It went from blue to red. If he would have, if the house would have caught on fire, then it was symbolic of his jump from SmackDown to Raw. Jeff, don't you understand symbolism? I also understand. I'm not threatened by different colored LEDs, right? But if he, if the house would have caught on fire, then it would have redeemed a whole lot of that mess. You want me to book it, Derek? Be the booker. Here we go. You start that match. Um, you don't have the god awful ghost tracker. You don't have the limo pull up, right? You have Randy Orton get to the house. And the rules are simple. Two men enter the house. The first one to leave wins. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And yeah. then you, 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 you set booby traps. You have Eric Rowan in there. If you want to bring Harper in to, to even up the odds to get rid of Eric Rowan, you can. You do all sorts of crazy. You, you, did you ever play the board game 13 Dead End Drive? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. So that there, sounds cool. Yeah. There was a, there was a thing called 13 Dead End Drive and they had all sorts of booby traps and stuff. And so you were trying to keep your, your character from getting killed by like a falling chandelier or falling into the fireplace and things like that. Booby trap that thing like 13 dead end drive. Have a chandelier fall. Have, have some of Bray Wyatt's possessed ghost family that we saw in the new Dalitian where the whole freaking farm lit up with ghost mask or goat mask. Have those people come in. Make this thing uh, against the odds and then have Randy still try to overcome them. But eventually, Bray wins, Bray walks out, and Bray says, eye for an eye, or follow the buzzards, or whatever, and the house goes up in flames, and you see it. You see an ambulance pull up, you see a fire truck pull up, and by the grace of God, Randy Orton has somehow gotten out. He's got he's he's got smoke in his lungs, he's, he's a little bruised, he's a little burnt up. You put him on the shelf for a few weeks, but Bray Wyatt comes out on Raw the next night and says, who's next? Basically, what you just described, I think we're not the only ones you see. Yeah. Randy ends up 
deeply hurt. The house goes up in flames. Take the entire return to the arena off oh, yeah. the table. That was terrible. That um, the only thing that could be made worse about what we saw in that house is Bray Wyatt getting to the arena and Randy Orton already being there. Yeah. That is the most nonsensical, overtaxing demand on my suspension of disbelief that I can't even comprehend. Uh, him repelling out of the rafters when Bray gets out of the limo would be about the only thing worse. Mm-hmm. That they then mixed in gender and his posse. Dude. So you're telling me that this was a match that Bray Wyatt conceived. This yeah. was his concept. This is what he wanted to do. And he has to have help from three low mid-card guys. I'm sorry. Jinder Mahal is still a jobber. All right? I, I hope that they can build him up. I hope that he becomes the next JBL, where he goes from mid-card to main event. The dude's put put in the time. He's put in the vitamins. He's done everything that he needs to do to get himself into shape. Dusty Rhodes was a huge fan of him back in, in the NXT days. He wrestled Seth Rollins in the finals of the very first NXT championship. Like, dude's got the goods. Build him up. Make him credible. But you, you mean to tell me that Bray Wyatt, the guy who went into WrestleMania as the WWE champion, the guy who beat John Cena and AJ Styles back-to-back two nights in a row, needs help from these three jobbers, these three jabronis, to beat Randy Orton? No, I'm done. I understand you want to further that storyline. I understand you want to put more heat on Mahal. But you've destroyed this character of Bray Wyatt, who you constantly destroy. And then you you give him a little bit of rope, and then you pull it right back from him. No, man. It's ridiculous. Kick rocks. Uh, cosigns? <laughs> and here's the thing. It's like Ghostbusters. You're going to do the gender thing with Randy? Cool. Right now you're doing the thing with Bray. Don't cross the streams. Yeah. Give me a resolution of the storyline. Then maybe in the locker room later, if you want to bring gender sure. in to jump in, go do that. But let's figure out what we did with Bray, and then let's get into gender. Don't mix the two up. Yeah. I mean, we're not the only ones complaining about this match. We're not. not the only ones who can see the holes in it. Uh, I do appreciate friend of the podcast, Brian Campbell, who tweeted either during Payback or Raw this past Monday, you know, dear WWE, stop ruining Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And uh, Road Dog responded. So maybe somebody in WWE creative is going to go, huh, maybe we should pay attention to how people are receiving this. Five to one odds that that doesn't happen. Oh, no. I mean, Roman yeah. Reigns being ex- yeah. example number one, yeah. right? But hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Okay, you said you had a bright spot. All right, so here's what I think is a positive from the House of Horrors. When did you say that Boiler Room Brawl? 96. 96. I, I think this may signal, and of course, as bad as it went, it may be the end of this as well. This may signal that WWE creative took a look at what Matt was doing with the broken stuff and those vignettes he was filming on his property and have considered maybe there's something we can do to expand what people think of when they think of professional wrestling as a storytelling vehicle. Okay. This was a cluster bomb of awful. Yeah. But if this signals that they're looking to do more creative, more out-of-the-box stuff to give even like some of their people more creative freedom, I don't think this is a Bray Wyatt idea. I don't think this is a Bray Wyatt. I don't think um, Wyndham Rotunda kind of scripted this. Right. But if this signals that they're willing to broaden the horizons of what they think is appropriate to a WWE event, then that is a small positive. Okay. I see your point on that, but I also see what just happened. Yeah. And, like, I don't ever want the Hardys to be broken if that's what the outcome is going to be. 
look, I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, and that, that is where this will go sideways. If Vince looks at this and sees this as a failure, uh, basically of genre, mm-hmm. that you can't tell stories this way, well, my idea is shot. If he comes along and says, okay, step one was bad. Let's see what we can do to improve next sure. time we try it. And if he lets Matt, for instance, have WWE level money resources to tell the broken stuff, that would be wonderful. Yeah. But he also needs to let Matt exactly be the guy behind it. Yeah. And he never will. Yeah, okay. I mean that you know better than I do. Yeah. Um but that that was my hope coming out of this, that maybe this is a signal that they're gonna try some new stuff. I hope that you're right. I hope that you're right. Um I hope that they look at what Lucha Underground does. Yeah, that's a great example. And they see that Lucha Underground's successful Mm -hmm. and that they can tell stories and it doesn't have to, I mean, it can be outlandish, but it fits. Mm -hmm. Um, and they do stuff like that. That'd be great, but time will tell. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the only, that's the only positive. Um, the House of Horrors never needs to come back. No, like if, if, if I could, if I were in WWE leadership, like that's never going on the network. Yeah. We'll just pretend like it never happened. Um, we'll just go to Samoa Joe, then we'll go to, Reigns getting destroyed and forget all about it. Yeah. Uh, just real quickly because we went long here. I, we both like the Raw and the SmackDown that followed. You want to hit the high water marks on let's sure, say, man. the first Raw? Yeah. Uh, the Alexa Bliss promo. Was awesome. Great. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I love that triple threat with Balor and Rollins and Miz. I love the um, I love the way that they decided all these three feuds. Uh, Ambrose and Miz, Balor and Wyatt. Rollins and Joe. I think those are all three really solid feuds. Um, I, I am looking forward to seeing more of the bomber jackets with, uh, Seamus and Cesaro. Um, I that's think, what needs to be replacing the kilts and the tearaway jackets. Yeah. And just call them the bomber jacket boys. <laughs> if you're going to call them the bar, call them the bomber jacket boys. Um, I didn't like, I don't, man, you, you talked about this last week. And, and so I think we should probably hit it again. Dean Ambrose has just, his stock has fallen so far in my eyes. Uh, that goofy crap he was doing this week with eat a donut and back to you, gorilla and all that. Like you're the, okay. You just walked out and said you're the intercontinental champion. And if Brock Lesnar's not here, that makes you the most prestigious champion on the show. And then you're a freaking dog and pony show. I couldn't agree more, man. It, my understanding when I stopped watching wrestling is that the Intercontinental title was a title that was given to the best worker on the roster. Yeah. With Dean, man, it is uh, worse than a joke. You know, SmackDown's doing a much better version with the U.S. Heavyweight. Yeah. That's a title that they have made mean something in the absence of uh, Randy defending the Universal title or whatever it is. Complete opposite with Dean. And, and that's why I'm thankful that Miz is the number one contender. Because a Miz who has the Intercontinental title and kind of plays the coward heel, I could really enjoy that storyline. I don't enjoy Dean running around trying to be funny. I don't think he's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So leave it off. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest drawback that I had from from that. Uh, what about SmackDown? Anything you got from SmackDown? Well, before we leave yeah, that Yeah, note, yeah, go ahead. Um, we talked about it off air, but if our listeners haven't done this, go find the post-Raw videos that have been recorded from that one. So you get a chance to see Bray Wyatt come out from the ring and take off sprinting to the locker room. Uh, and then you get to see Rollins, uh, Dean, and Finn hit Miz with their finishers and dance to Finn Balor's music. That's all pretty cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, SmackDown, I'm not, um, I'm not crazy about this thing they're doing with Charlotte. I don't care for Charlotte as a uh, face particularly. I thought the, the Becky thing was a cool move. I like Becky, uh, as a face. 
other than that, I thought SmackDown was pretty strong. Yeah. Um, I think you and I disagree, though. I wish they would either just leave Shinsuke alone and us not see him till he comes back at Backlash. Or bring him out and let him go ahead and wrestle. The stuff they're doing where uh, Dolph Ziggler comes out and tries to insult him is just epic fail. Yeah. Just stop doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, if you listen to uh, In This Corner with Brian Campbell, uh, he and Adam Silverstein are, have been pretty pretty negative on, on Nakamura's whole thing. I enjoyed the first one, the, the SmackDown after WrestleMania, where he comes out and he doesn't have to say anything. And you just show that this guy is unique. He's an attraction. Um, the next week they should have done something. Should have been there. Should have been like a some kind of physicality to it. Um, the week after with Ziggler doing that Michael Jackson promo was just atrocious. That's man. awful. Um, but I I do disagree with you in the fact that I think that you 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 probably shouldn't have put Shinsuke back on TV after that first initial uh post post WrestleMania SmackDown. Yeah, that'd been great. Uh, Let us see him get a taste, then wait for. But I think flash. that I think that first. That first match on the main roster needs to be on a network special or a pay-per-view, whatever you want to call them nowadays. I'm good um, with that. When he debuted on NXT, he debuted at the TakeOver before WrestleMania, and he and Sami Zayn tore the house down. Um, I think that that's, that's the way you position him uh, because the dude the dude is special, and they put him on the right brand. He would have gotten lost on Raw. They put him on the right brand, and, and if they handle him well, um, you have that attraction again. You know, Undertaker was on Raw, or excuse me, Undertaker was on SmackDown forever. He's that attraction. I'm not saying Shinsuke's anywhere near the Undertaker, but he's he could be. You know, he's mm-hmm. got that same kind of appeal to him. Um, I but yeah, the, all this garbage with Michael Jackson and and Ziggler, the man, artist I just, known as yeah, the I mean, artist known as like come on, just let him be the King of Strong Style. Let him kick some dudes' heads off. Um, but I, I agree that backlash is the way you do it. And, and they're building the whole friggin' pay per view up over this is the time you get to see Shinsuke Nakamura in the ring. And so I'm good with that part for yeah, sure. Definitely. I, but what you said is probably the, the best combination of what I was proposing. Bring him out. Let us take a look at him. Hear the music. Watch his intro. Give us a appetizer and then just take him away till, uh, backlash. Yeah. Um, before I guess we wrap up here, one thing I did want to say that I alluded to earlier, but I want to make a point about is I hate smarts, a certain vein of smarts, uh, who I think are redeemable. Um, I hate like, let's get all the women in the ring yeah, and make them run into each other. SmackDown did it right. Six woman tag team. Hey, can we talk about, uh, not to cut you off. I apologize. Can we talk about how God awful the welcoming committee is for the name of this stable? Oh yeah, dude. Like yeah. that's that's everything that I've been reading online and, and what they were saying last night on SmackDown, the welcoming committee. You can't go with the shield that we talked about last week. You can't go with the new women order. You I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. About anything's better than the welcoming committee. Yeah. Yeah. Well Nat, but, Natty and the Heartbreakers would have been better. So I hate like the whole women's roster dumped in the ring and told to fight it out. Bailey versus Alexa was a great match. Mm-hmm. And it proves that one woman versus another woman in an actual wrestling match, no gimmicks. No schmas. Don't run out nine different women to join in. That can provide you compelling entertainment in wrestling. Yeah. So guess what? Give us more of that. Yeah. Uh, you've got some really talented women. Let them get in there one on one and show what they can do. Yeah. WWE man, they uh, they're still learning how to make women like they're still learning what they want out of women's wrestling. Uh, because you know for so long it was I'll put her in a bikini and put some KY jelly in there. <laughs> yeah. You know. So. 
Uh, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for growing pains, but I agree with you on that. Well, uh, I, I'm hoping in these growing pains, they'll look at Alexa Bailey and go, hey, guess what? We can do this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Alexa Bliss did an interview with Yahoo a couple weeks ago uh, and said something to the effect of, I hope by next year the women are main eventing WrestleMania. In a, excuse me, in a perfect world, who would you have out of both female rosters? Who would you have main event WrestleMania? I think the answer has got to be Alexa versus Charlotte. Okay. I mean, I know that's two heels, but it's the best. Well, not anymore. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, it, it's the best Mike versus the best Matt. And um, you put those things together, you can probably get a really great match out of it. Um, I know you probably want me to say Sasha. I would put her next here. Sasha Bailey, after the friendship breaks down, is probably my 1A answer to that question. Um, I would say to you right now, Sasha Charlotte, to unify the women's championships. Oh, so yeah. So you have Sasha beat, uh, you have Sasha beat Alexa. Sorry. You have Sasha beat Alexa for the women's championship like next month and you let her hold it all the way through. You have Charlotte beat Naomi. You let her hold it all the way through and then you put those two together. And I think that there's enough, I think there's enough story there that you could main event. And then defend it on two. either brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because the women's rosters are just too, they're too shallow. Sure. Like, um, I know that I've heard some people say something along the effects of, um, have SmackDown be the women's brand and have Raw be the cruiserweight brand or the tag team brand or whatever. And I can, I can sort of see that, uh, just because you've got what six on both really that are worth a darn. So, so you're saying just put them all together, yeah. one or the other. We'll yeah. watch them. Yeah. Uh, I can a, see that. In a perfect world, that's who I would go with right now is Sasha and Charlotte. But I could, I, I could, I mean, you can make the argument for Alexa as well. And I'm not trying to knock her or get her out of that match. I think if she continues to excel like she is right now, it's going to be hard not to, not to want to put her in a match like that. If she improves at the rate she's improving, both on the mic and the mat, it's going to be hard not to consider her the most charismatic superstar let alone women's division person. I mean, you're going to have her on like the level of Finn Balor uh, and, and some of the highest tier guys that people are interested in. Hey, I love it, man. That's my niece. All good things to her. U.S. Championship title picture. Uh, AJ, Owens, Jericho, Sammy, Corbin. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, throw Corbin out. Definitely. Um, Jericho is going to be on tour. I right. think it's finally the point where uh, we can say that definitively after the beatdown. Yeah, into I mean, it. he's already on social media saying he's doing the Frost of the Snowman thing. You know, don't you cry. I'll be back again someday. So it's, I mean, he's he's done. So right we, now. if you follow that logic, you're basically left with Owens, who should be your top heel. Um, AJ, who I love to watch work. Um, I'd love to see him chasing. And then let Sammy be your change of pace for either yeah. one of them. Just don't make Sammy lose every time. Yeah. I know you're a huge fan of his. I want to be a huge fan of his, but I think the same thing with Bray is eventually going to catch up to him, or the same thing with Enzo and Cass. I know his thing is to lose and whatnot, but like eventually, dude, that's going to rub off where people are like, ah, this guy's not credible. Yeah. Come just short of that. Yeah. Um, again, I wish that you were around to see the same as NXT. Oh, yeah, me too. Because it was just. And I'm going to catch up to it. I just think probably I'm going to look at it differently, having come in from the backside. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I, it's weird to me that, that Randy and Jinder are your world title feud. Um, again, I'm all for making new stars. I'm all for Jinder Mahal being something, something bigger than what he is right now. You're all for the WWE expanding into India and making a ton of money there. Yeah. And that's, it's so transparent. 
I'm all for the WWE getting into my to the motherland, to the Middle East. I'm all for that. But at the same time, when you've got when you've got Jericho, who is going to be gone, but he'll come back. Uh, there's already reports like uh, Cage Side Seats already talked about like he'll be back when the tour's over um, for maybe a couple months or whatever, and 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 that's amazing to me. Dude's like 46, 47 mm-hmm. years old. DDP Yoko. Yeah, dude, it's the it's the message. Um, but you know, you've got Owens and you've got AJ who, who should be your, your one A and one B on that show. And they're fighting over the U.S. title, which is fine. I'm glad they're fighting over a title, but at the same time, man, put them, put those two and Nakamura in your world title picture. Put Randy in there too, because Randy's always going to be a main eventer. That's fine. <sighs> I know. Uh, put, you know, throw Sammy in there. My dream is for Sammy Zayn to get on this underdog role around Survivor Series. Win the Royal Rumble and beat Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. That's that's my dream. I'd love to see that. I don't know if it'll ever. I, it'll never happen, but that's that's my dream. Um, Fashion Police totally out, man. We're yeah. completely opposed on this. That's right. That so, gimmick is so under for me. I want them. I want them to have better. But if you're gonna if you're gonna play the cards you're dealt, I think that's the best way to do it. And uh, I I laugh. they're hustling it, man. That I, skit. Yeah. I didn't care for it, but I get like if I cared about these wrestlers, they're hustling to get as much out of that as they can. The Jay walking and Jimmy walking line, I laughed hard. Like I, I popped it. So. No objections, man. It's just not for me. Understandable, understandable. Um, is that it? I think I, that about does it. I think that's it. Are you up for a Bray Wyatt Finn Balor uh, storyline eventually? Yeah, man. I'm all in on that because I think that'll be good for him. I think that'll be good for Bray. I think that uh, you and I talked about it off air. But I think that that's going to be a way to rehab Bray and then also to bring back the demon of the, oh, the demon king. I hate that so much. It reminds me of the first season of True Detective. Um, if it was only that sophisticated, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that they'll, I think they'll work well together. Um, I, I worry about Finn being in the main roster and like the more I look at him with the Miz and with Rollins and stuff, like I kind of want to see him go to 205 Live and just wreck shop. Like I'd like to see him and Aries wrestle him and, him and Neville wrestle and stuff, but um, but Finn deserves to be in that heavyweight, like in you know, on that in that main event scene. It sounds to me like he's trying to keep in everybody's mind that someday he's going to fight Brock. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty strong contrast in physicality. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting match for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I'm all I'm all for it, man. All right, Derek. Well, I think we had a good time on the uh, most recent sauce on the scary in the ring. Definitely, definitely. Uh, if you if you enjoyed this, uh, we we'll have our new our own feed up pretty soon for sauce on the scary in the ring. So make sure you you uh, subscribe, rate, review, um, all that good stuff. I guess we're gonna have to have a new theme song. We'll have to mm. go into our bag of tricks and try to figure something out on that. Um, you can find us right now at uh, Scary Podcast and we'll triple it triple S Pod triple S Pod. On so on Twitter, Twitter. yeah. Um, and, uh, we'll be putting a Facebook page and everything together as well on that. Um, anything else you got, man? Where can they find you on, uh, on social media? To send me their hate for my, yeah, Smarks Are Cancer sure. rent. Uh, it's at Right Jeff. <laughs> it's at Smarks Are Cancer. Uh, you can find me at Derek Zoo. Uh, with that in mind, I think that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. We're out. <laughs>